With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Bekama Daf Kuf Tesvav, page 115. We'll begin three lines in at the two dots. Itmar. We stated in an Amoritic statement. Ganav umachar, if somebody steals something and he sells it. So we have three parties here. And then afterwards we found out who was the one who stole it. So we have Ruvain who got stolen from. We have Shimon who stole it. And we have Levi who bought it from the thief. So Ruvain who got stolen from, who does he deal with? Who does he bring to court? The one who has his object right now or the thief? So Rav said to the name of Rabbi Chia that he brings to court the person who was the original thief. And if he wants to get back his original object, he would actually have to pay for it and then try to get back the money from the person who stole from him. So we'll see, we'll see soon on this thing of why this is so. Rabbi Yechon says the name of Rabbi Yechon that no. He says that actually what he does is the person who got stolen from him, he goes to the person who currently has his object and that's who he deals with and he can get it back without even having to pay for it. Amar of Yosef, so Rav Yosef explains both of them. They're actually not arguing. If the case is talking about where the person who got stolen from him had not given up hope of receiving his object back, he hadn't given up his ownership. Therefore, he goes to the second person because it's still considered his object. He can get back this, this same object without having to pay for it. But if he had already given up hope of receiving it back, so he's lost the rights to his object, he lost his ownership on the object, and therefore it now can be bought by the third party, and therefore, so he has to deal with the gun, he has to deal directly with the thief, he can't get his actual object back. And both Rav and Rabbi Yechanan will agree to what Rav Chizda says. Rav Chizda said at the beginning of the, pa- the parak, says Rashi, that if somebody steals something, and the original owners have not given up hope on their object, so even if someone else comes along and buys the object, since they haven't given up on their object so it's still considered that it belongs to the first person and therefore the thief and the person who bought it from him are both considered like partners in crime and theoretically the person who got stolen from can go to either one to try to collect this thing back also important to note is that when is the person who bought it considered a partner in crime only if he was aware of the fact that this person was a ganav this person was a thief if he wasn't aware, like we mentioned previously, if let's say he bought it in the in the marketplace from this guy, he didn't know that it was a stolen object. So then there's a concept of takanas hashuk. The sages instituted that the person who bought it is not going to have responsibility. It's not going to be taken away from him. And in fact, the person who it was stolen from is going to have to pay for his object if he wants to get the actual object back, and then bring the thief to court if he wants to get his money back. Is it true that they don't argue? And Rav would agree that if the person who got stolen from had not given up hope, so then it still remains in his possession, he can go to the person who stole it from originally or the person who bought it from him? I'll show you that that's not true. We have a case which is something that's supposed to be given as a present to a priest. So, and those presents that are supposed to be given to the priest, so the priest never gives up on his stuff. And we see that Rav actually argues in that case, the Tanan. Let's see what the case is. We have a mission like this. A person comes, a regular Jewish person comes and says to a butcher, sell me the innards of this cow. So amongst those innards, so there were certain parts that had to be given as a, as a gift to the priest. So when he bought it, so the intention was not to actually buy those parts that are supposed to be given to the priest. That's the responsibility of the butcher to give it to the priest. He can't sell it. So now when the locale, the person who bought it included in what he's bought. So there's also these things that have to be given to the priest. So the person who bought it didn't pay for those things. He goes and gives it to the priest. He doesn't subtract from the amount of money that he paid because that was not included in the sale.
But let's say when the person bought it, so he bought based on weight, so he also paid for those things that had to be given over to the coin, to the priest. So first of all, the person who bought it, he gives those things to the priest as he's supposed to, and then he goes back to the person, the butcher who sold it to him, and he gets back the money, the value for those things, because he doesn't have to pay for that, because it's not something that belongs to the butcher, he can't sell it to him. For Amar Rav, and Rav said, When do we say the responsibility is upon the person who bought it? Only if the person who bought it was the one who was weighing it. But if the butcher was the one who weighed it and charged the buyer, so if the coin, if the priest who wants to get his presence, he wants to come bring someone to court, so he's going to have to bring the butcher to court. So now we have a case which is exactly parallel to the previous case. Because when the butcher weighs it, he's stealing, so to speak, from the Kohen, from the priest who's supposed to get this stuff. So what do we see? We see that he can't go. The priest, if he wants to bring someone to court, he can't go to the person who currently has it, even though he hasn't given up hope, right? Because as we said previously, a Kohen, a priest, does not give up hope on his stuff, even if someone goes and steals it, so to speak. So what happens? He can't go to the person who currently has it. He has to go to the first person, the butcher, who originally weighed it. So we see that this is a contradiction to what Rav Yosef had said. Because Rav Yosef said that Rav agrees that if the person had not given up hope on his thing, so then wherever it is, he can go and get it. But here we see that, no, he can't go to the loge. He can't go to the person who bought it. He has to go to the butcher who was the original one who stole it. So the Gemara says, no. When we say that he can go to the butcher, it doesn't mean he can only go to the butcher. It means he can even go to the butcher. Besides for being able to go to the person who bought it, he can also go to the butcher. What would you think otherwise? Mild him because we would have thought like this. That when the butcher did anything, if he tried to steal it, so to speak, so the fact that he tried to weigh it and he tried to charge for it is irrelevant. You know why? Because as Rashi explains, when this Kohen, this priest is getting it, he's getting it from Hashem, from God, so to speak. So we could we could think that it's a much stronger type of kinin. It's completely considered inside of his possession and therefore wherever it is, it's his. And therefore when the butcher originally tried to charge for it and steal it, he didn't do anything. He couldn't get his, he couldn't put his fingerprints on it, so to speak. That's what you would think. Kamash Malan. That's what it's coming to teach you that no. The fact is that the butcher did try to steal it. And despite the fact that he has, he's getting it from God. He's getting it from this powerful type of Kenyan. Nevertheless, the butcher is the one who originally tried to steal it. And therefore, if the coin wants to bring someone to court, not only can he bring the person who currently has it, but he can actually go back to the butcher who originally was involved in trying to steal it. Now, like according to Abaye, who understands that in fact they do argue. He understands that when it says in his Mishnah that you go to the butcher, it means you can only go to the butcher. And Rav is saying that that's the only person that you can go to. You can't go to the person who currently has it. So, what are they arguing about? So, my answer is a bit of Rav Chizda. We can say that they're arguing about this statement that we assumed before that everyone agrees to, which was Rav Chizda's statement, which was that if somebody steals something, if someone stole something and the original owners had not given up hope. So, Rav Chizda says that you can go to either one. You can go to the person who stole it, or you can go to the person who currently has it. So Rav holds that no, you can only go to the person who stole it. He doesn't hold like Rav Chizda. You can only go to the person who stole it. You can't go to the person who currently has it to complain. And Rabbi Yechanan, who says that you can go to either one, he holds like Rav Chizda, who says that you can indeed go to the person who currently has it. Rav Zvid, Amar Rav Zvid offers a different possibility as to how we can explain this argument between Rav and Rabbi Yechanan. We consider the case is, when did the person who got stolen from give up hope on it? Only once did it reach the hands of the person who bought it. And he did not give up hope the whole time that it was in the hands of the thief. And this is what the argument is about. Marsa, Rabbi Yechanan, who says that he can even go to the person who has bought it now and bring that person to court. That when is it considered that the person who has 
bought it has possessed that item only if the person who had been stolen from had given up hope before it transferred into his possession. But if first the person bought it and then he gave up hope, like Kani, that wouldn't transfer it into his possession and therefore it's still considered in the possession of the person it was stolen from and therefore you can't even come to the person who currently has it and say, I want you to give me back my item. Umar Savarav who says, no, he can only go back to the thief, he holds Leishna. There's no difference. As soon as the person gives up hope on it, it transfers into the possession of whoever it is currently in their possession and therefore now belongs to the person who bought it and therefore if he wants to go to someone and bring them to court, he has to go back to the actual thief himself. Rab Papa, Amar Rab Papa gives a different explanation. Beglima. I'll tell you, we're talking about a cloak. Everyone agrees that if Reuven has a cloak. Shimon steals the cloak. Levi buys it from the thief. Shimon. Levi now has to for sure return this cloak back to Reuven. When Reuven comes, there was no yayo. She didn't give up hope on it. And everyone agrees that it doesn't matter where it is. It remains in the possession of the person who it was originally belonged to. So now, so what's the issue? We have Explains Rashi. What we're talking about over here is not if the person who got stolen from has to go to the thief or the person who bought it. But rather, the, the person who bought it, who does he have to deal with? He for sure has to give it back. Who does he deal with? The thief? Or does he deal with the person who's taking it back? And the whole issue has to do with whether the sages created this takana, this decree that if the person didn't know he's buying it from a thief, whether the balabai is the person who originally owned it, has to give him money. Rav the name of said, Hadinam Harishoin, that the person who has bought it goes back to the thief. Dina de Zuzimigan, he has to go back to the thief if he wants to get his money back. And the sages did not say that the person, the person who got stolen from originally, has to give this guy money because he didn't know that it was he was buying it from a thief. The name of Rabbi Yanei says, He goes back to the person who is a balabayis. The person who buys it goes back to the person who it originally belonged to. Then in fact, he will get money from the person who is taking his item back. Because the sages instituted a special decree in order to protect someone he didn't know he was buying from a thief. I think Mark says, hold on a second. Are you telling me that Rav holds that they didn't create this decree in order to help out the person who bought it and he didn't know he was buying from a thief? Rav Huna told me did the Rav have. Rav Huna was a student of Rav. So that means that whatever he would say, the verdicts he would hand down in his court would be based on the statements of his teacher Rav. So what do we see? There was a story like this. There was this guy whose name was Hanan the Bad. Everyone knew he was a bad guy. And he stole something. He stole a cloak and he sold it. Also the Rav Huna. So the court case came in front of Rav Huna so he said to the person who got stolen from Zil Shari Avitoch you have to go and pay for your object if you want to get back your cloak from the person who bought it you got to pay for it and then go back to Hanan Bisha so what do we see? We see that Rav Huna holds that we do have a Takana Sashuk we do say that the person who bought it he, he ends up getting his money says, no, Shani Khan and Bisha, it's different in this case. Over here specifically they said that he would get the money, because in the case of Khan and the bad, it's different. Since no one can collect from him, it's considered like we don't know who the person, the thief was. Khan and Bisha, I guess he was a poor guy, had no money, had nothing to collect from. So in such a case, we make this Takana. Now, on a separate note, Amar Rav, Rav says something else, which is going to pertain to the story we just mentioned. If this is a person who's a famous thief, so then in such a case, so everyone has to watch out, buyer beware. If you're, if you're buying from this guy, you have to assume, in fact, that it is stolen objects, stolen goods, and therefore, if you buy from him, so we're not going to give you the money back if indeed it turns out that it was something stolen. We're not going to make the person who got stolen from give you the money now that you bought it.
So Gemara says, hold on, Hanan Bish, the Mephorsam Hava. Hanan, the bad, he was somebody who everybody knew about, that he was a, a bad guy. Nevertheless, we see that we did create the Takanas Ashuk. We did create this decree that made the person who got stolen from give the money to the person who bought the object. So Gemara says, no. Nihi, the Mephorsam, the Bishusa. Granted that he was famous for his vileness. The Gnevusa, the Mephorsam. But a Ganev, being a thief, that, that wasn't something that he was famous for. Itmar was stated in an Amoraitic statement. Gunavu Parba is somebody steals something and uses that object to pay off a loan that he has. Gunavu Parba or uses the object to pay off the store owner, the local five and dime store that he has credit with. So in such a case, the person who now has this object that was stolen, which is the store owner, the person who had originally lent the thief money, so he can't request from the person who it originally the object originally belonged to to give him money for it. Why? The Amri Because we can say like this, that when the person originally lent the money or gave him credit, that, that object that was stolen wasn't in the possession of, of the thief yet. So therefore, he couldn't have had in mind that I'm going to collect from that thing. And therefore, he doesn't have a right to claim from the person who was stolen from any kind of money. If let's say somebody stole something, a thief stole something, and he uses it as collateral in order to borrow money from a third party. And the, the object that he stole was worth $200, and he borrows $100. So there, we said that in fact, the person who has lent out the money and now has this object, which is the stolen object, he was depending upon this object to, to be paid from. He doesn't trust the guy. That's why he took an object which is worth more than the amount of money that he lent him. So therefore, when the person who got stolen from originally comes to the person who currently has his object, and he wants to get the object back, so he has to pay him. We say that there's this takanas ashuk, and then the person who got stolen from originally has to go back to the thief. Shava b'shava, where it's equal, meaning the collateral is equal to the full amount of the loan. Amemar amar leyasuvi takanas ashuk. Amemar says that we do not apply this concept of takanas ashuk, meaning that since the person who took this collateral, he took an object which has the same value as the loan. He doesn't really intend to actually take this collateral. He doesn't believe that he's going to actually end up collecting from the collateral because if he didn't trust him, he would have taken something that has a greater value. So, since he doesn't believe that he's going to collect from this collateral, his mind is never set on this collateral, and therefore when the person who got stolen from originally comes, and he wants to take his item back, so we don't require that person who's taking his item back to give the money to the person who currently has this object as his collateral. Marzutra, Amar Marzutra says, however, we do assume that the person who got this collateral, even though it's the same value as the full amount of the loan, nevertheless, the person who got the collateral is depending upon it, and therefore it's considered similar to a lokeah, to someone who's buying it, and therefore we will make the person who got stolen from originally have to pay the person who currently has it in order to get it back because of the takana sashok. Zvina shava b'shava, let's say somebody sells a stolen item, a $100 item, he sells it for $100. So that's the classic case where we have this takana sashok, this concept of if the person who, who had it gotten stolen from wants to come and get it back from the guy who currently bought it, he has to pay him. Shove him, may have Muslim, but let's say the object was worth $100, and the person who bought it paid $200. Rav Shisha says that in such a case, we do not make the person who got stolen from give him any money. Why? Because we understand that since he paid $200 for a $100 item, obviously he was giving him the extra $100 as a present. So if he gave him the, that extra $100 as a present, he would also give him the first $100 as a present. So therefore, the buyer can't get any money back from the person who got stolen from a Rabbi says we don't approach it that way, but rather we view it that this is a $100 item that sometimes people sell $100 items for much more than their actual value. So he didn't intend to give him this extra money as a present, and therefore he can indeed get his money back from the person who it had been stolen from. In all of these cases, is that in fact the buyer does get the money back from the person who it was stolen from, except for the case where someone stole something and used it to pay off his loan, or somebody he stole something, used it to pay off the credit that he had in a store.
Avimi Barnazi, Chamua de Ravino, Avimi Barnazi was the son-in-law of Ravino, have a masik ba'u gavro arba zuzi. He was owed by a certain person for zuz. Ganav Glima, the person went and stole a cloak, Asinale brought it to Avimi. Avimi didn't know it was stolen. He brought it to him to do two things. First was to pay back the original amount of money, and also to borrow more, to use it as collateral to borrow more. He lent him another four zoos. So in the end, they figured out that this guy had stolen. So they come in front of Ravina to ask him what to do. Omar says like this, As far as the first amount of money that was lent, So that's considered that someone stole something and paid back a loan with something that he stole. So the person that was stolen from doesn't have to give you, the person who was paid, the person who was being paid back the loan, anything. Why? The reason is because you didn't originally have in mind that you're actually going to collect from this thing. So therefore, you don't get the money. But the second set of money that you gave to him, so that you can actually collect from the person since you had in mind that you're gonna you're only giving him the money with this as collateral, meaning you depend upon this object. So therefore we do apply the concept of Takana Sashuk in, in regards to the second half of the money, and you'll get the money back and then you'll return the cloak that was stolen. Maskevler of Kain. Rav Kain challenged this ruling. Vadilma, perhaps Glima Bahani Zuzi Kamo Yohavinihale. True, the cloak was given for the original money. So that's similar to a case where someone stole something and pays off his loan. Varbazuzi Basroi. But in regards to the second group of money, so we said that he's depending upon this cloak as collateral. Wait, why do you have to say that? Himunihimne. Maybe he trusted him. He doesn't expect to take this collateral. Just like he trusted him originally that he's going to get the money, he trusts him now as well. He didn't take collateral in the first place, so maybe the son-in-law of Ravina should not be able to get money back from the person who had been stolen from. So this issue went from one court to another. It ended up in front of Rabbi Avo Omar, and he said, Indeed, the halacha is, uh, the final verdict will be like what Rav Koyen said. So basically, Ravina's son-in-law is not going to end up getting any money from the person from whom the object had been stolen. Narsha, Gunav Safra. There was a person from this place called Narsha, and he stole some books. Zavna the Papino. He sold it to somebody who was from a place called Papona, Bitimnin Zuzi, for 80 Zeus. Also Papino, so this guy from Papona went, Zavna the Barmachuza. He didn't know that he had taken something from a stol- that was stolen, and he sells it to a guy from Machuza, Bimev Essen Zuzi, for 120 Zeus. The Saif Hooker Agan, in the end it turned out, they realized that this object, these books were stolen. Omar Abai, so Abai says, Laisel Mari the Safra, let the owner of the books go, Vyavle the Barmachuza, Timnin. Zuzi. Give to the last person on the list. Give him 80. Vishalka Sifre and take his books. But also Barmachoza, how much did he pay? He paid 120. So let him go. Vishokal Arbani Papano and take another 40 from the middle guy who, who he gave an extra 40 to. Maskifla Rav. So Rav says, hold on a second. If in regards to the person who di- buys directly from the Ganev, from the thief. So he doesn't lose out and he gets money from the person who had been stolen from. So the guy who's buying from the buyer certainly doesn't know that he's buying from a thief. So certainly he should get the full amount. Why is he only getting 80? Rather, Rav says, Lazel Mari the Safra, let the owner of the books go, Viyavle the Barmachuza. The last person on the list, let him get his money, Mea the Essence, Uzi, the full amount, 120. Vishago Safari, let him take his books. Lazel Mari the Safra, let the owner of the books go, Vilishkal Arbami Papaino, go back to the to the middle guy, take 40, Vitinamin Asha, and another 80 to get his money back, the full amount of money from the original guy who stole his books. We begin the Mishnah. Let's say two people are walking along. One has his barrel of wine. One has his barrel of honey. Honey, obviously, is worth more. Let's say the barrel of, of honey broke. And then the guy who had the barrel of wine, so he pours out his wine in order to save the, the honey that's about to be lost. 
We turn to the Kuftet Vavam Beis, page 115b. So it says, Ein all he gets is the payment for his work, for his time. But he doesn't get back the value of the wine that was wasted. But if, let's say he says, I'm only going to save your stuff if you give me the value of the stuff that I'm wasting. So once they've agreed to that from the onset, then he does have an obligation, the person who owned the, the honey, he has an obligation to pay back the guy who had wasted his wine. Let's say the river is overflowing and it's threatening to drown one person's donkey and another person's donkey as well. The first guy's donkey is only worth $100. The second guy's donkey is worth $200. The guy who has a lower value donkey leaves his donkey to die. He helps out his friend who has a higher value donkey to save his donkey. So all he gets paid is the value of the time that he was working for him, helping him out. But he doesn't get the value of his donkey. But if he says to him from the onset, I'll save yours, but you're going to have to pay me back for the value of mine. So he does indeed have an obligation to pay him for the value of the donkey that drowned. We begin the Gemara. Why is it so? Why, unless he makes a condition from the onset, why doesn't he get anything more than the value of his time? Why doesn't he get anything? Why doesn't he get the value of his wine? Why can't he say them like this? Actually, I'm the one who ends up with the honey. You are about to lose it. So now it's called heifer. It's called ownerless. And therefore, I'm acquiring it. Milaitanya, we find a bright, so that seems to imply this way. Let's say someone was carrying his jugs of wine or his jugs of oil. He sees that it's broken that they've broken and he's about to lose everything. So he shouldn't say, oh, you know what, I'm going to make this to be considered the tithes on the stuff that I have at home. And if he does so, it doesn't even work. So what do we see? We see that why doesn't it work? Why can't you do such a thing? Because it's already, as soon as it's broken, it's considered that it's transferred into the possession of no one, meaning it's become ownerless. And therefore, just like in that case it's ownerless, and therefore you can't make it into truma, you can't make it into the tithes on stuff you have at home. So too, in this case, it should be considered ownerless, and the person who's coming along with the jug, saving the honey, he should be able to get it himself. So the Gemara answered, because the Amar Abiyirmiyah, we can say that the mission is talking about a case similar to what Rabbi Yirmiyah said elsewhere, he said in a different case, that we could be talking about a case where you have a barrel that's being held together by strings. And so it's not completely cracked. The honey is coming out drip by drip. Hachanami, so over here we could say, where it's being held together, and therefore it's dripping out a little bit at a time. So it's not considered hefker. It's not considered completely ownerless. So therefore when this guy comes along and says, you know, why don't you use my barrel? I'll pour out my wine. So all he's going to get is the value of his work, of his help, but not the actual value of his wine. Because he can't make any claim on the honey now, because the honey is not ownerless. Now the Gemara asks something on this price that we just brought. Because we said, That if a person's jugs are breaking, so he cannot, he doesn't have the ability, it's considered hefty, it's considered ownerless, he can't make it into the tithes on something that he has in his house. Is that so? The Gemara says, We have a price that seems to imply another way. If someone's coming on the way, he has money in his hands. And there's a guy who's about to take away his money, he's about to steal his money. So he shouldn't say, That the fruits that I have in my house, that the holiness that's upon them, Rashi says we're talking about Maeser Shani, the second tithe, that a person is supposed to bring to Jerusalem, so you can transfer that holiness onto money. He shouldn't say that I'm transferring them, that onto this money that's about to be stolen from me. But if he does it, it indeed does work. So what do we see? We see that even though he's about to lose it, so theoretically as far as he's concerned, it's Hefker, it's ownerless. Nevertheless, he can still say that he's doing something with it, it's still considered that it's in, in, in his possession. What are we talking about over here? That he can in fact save it, so it's not considered ownerless. says, 
If he can save it, so then why can't he say it in the first place? Why is it saying that it's better than he not say that? Why is he not supposed to transfer the holiness onto this? The case is talking about where he can save it, but it's not a sure thing. In other words, he's not giving up hope on it. It's not considered ownerless, but it's going to be something difficult to do if he's going to save it. So therefore, we say that he should not transfer, it onto, transfer the holiness onto this money because he might not end up saving it. Now the Gemara challenges we call Is it true that whenever there's going to be a loss It's considered that it's ownerless And therefore you're not supposed to say it You're not supposed to transfer the holiness onto it But we have a bright that seems to apply not that way Let's say someone has a levy Who has ten barrels of tevel which is impure Tevel is where you have not yet taken off the tithe that's supposed to be given So a levy, so he gets a tithe But he also has to take off from the tithe that he gets He has to give part of it to the Kohen As long as he hasn't taken it off, he cannot eat it It's called tevel So it's not only is it tevel, not only is it something he can't eat But it's also impure so theoretically, if you would now take off the tithe to give to the coin, the coin is not permitted to eat the truma, the special tithe for the coin, if it's impure. So now he has these ten barrels. And he sees that one of them got broken, one of the barrels broke, or it got uncovered and it got ruined. So he can indeed say that this one that's broken is going to be considered going to be the tithe on the other nine. But if it's Shem, if it's oil, so since theoretically it can be used in some form by the Kohen, so he shouldn't do that because he's making the Kohen lose out by making the broken one into the tithe instead of giving him something proper. But in regards to the oil, which the Kohen can't use anyway, as we're going to see, so it's okay if he does that. So what do we see over here? We see that despite the fact that you're, that you're creating a tithe with something which is not good, which is going and it's about to be destroyed, nevertheless you can do it. The case is not talking about something that's completely going to get destroyed, but rather it's something that it's dripping out little by little. And there Therefore, it's not considered hefker, it's not considered ownerless, and being that it's still in his possession, he can use it as his tithe on the other nine. In the case where the barrel broke and hadn't completely broken, as we just said, so then it's fitting, it's fitting to be given over to a coin, and even though he can't drink it, he can still use it, as Rashi mentioned previously, in order to sprinkle around his house to make a nice smell. Elamis Galsa, but if it got uncovered, what can you use it for? And the problem when it gets uncovered is that it's possible that a snake could come along and insert its venom into the wine, and thereby it could be a very dangerous thing to drink this wine. So what can you use it for? And if you want to say that you can use this for sprinkle, sprinkling around the house, but well, tiny we have a rice that says that you shouldn't do this. My mention is gal if you have water that was uncovered, and therefore it's possible the venom of a snake got into it. You're not allowed to pour it out into a public place. You can't use it to make cement. You can't use it to make the dust stay down on the house. You're not allowed to give this water to the animal. And what she says, because the problem is that you might end up shech, you might end up slaughtering this animal and end up eating from it. It's very dangerous. You can't give it to your friend's animal either. So the question is, so what is this useful for? How can you do it? How can you use this thing? If it was uncovered, it's literally dangerous. So Gemara says the Avrlav Misnanis, that you sent this wine through a filter. Like the understanding of Rav Nechemiah, who holds, that once you send it through a filter, you don't have to worry about the venom. The time of a bride like this, If one has a filter on top of a barrel, where he passes through the wine to, to filter out the dregs, so if the filter itself is uncovered, according to the Tanakhama, it is a problem. Avrlav Nechemiah, it's dangerous. Rabbi Nechemia says, when is it a problem? Only if the bottom area of the barrel is uncovered. As long as the bottom area is covered, even though the upper area where the filter is located is not covered, there's no problem 
from the fact that it's uncovered, because he holds, or he perhaps knew from experience, that the venom of a snake is similar to a sponge, and it floats and stays in its place. So you don't have to be worried that it goes down into the wine below. So, so too, over here we can say that we pass the wine through the filter, and that's how you can give it to the Kohen, he still can do something with it, he can sprinkle it around his house. So Mar says, hold on a second, Lavid Marla, was it not stated about this Amar Bsimon, Amar Bshuan Levi, that Rabsim said in the name of Bshuan Levi, When do we say that according to Rabbi Nechemia, it's safe to eat this thing if it was passed through a filter? That's only if you didn't mix it around first. But if you mixed it around, if you moved it, then it would be a problem. So so too over here, so if you're passing it through the Misanas, you're passing it through this filter, so we, are, we should be afraid that you're going to mix it up, and it's going to be problematic, it's going to be dangerous. So Mar says, also not we could say that we're talking about a case where you placed a filter, a cloth, something on top of the barrel, and as you pour it out, it's going out very slowly, and therefore you don't have to be concerned that it's going to get mixed up. So Gemara says, hold on a second, you're telling me that the reason that we can give it over to a Kohen now is because it's Rabbi Nechemia. Rabbi Nechemia, mitarmina, does Rabbi Nechemia hold that it would be permitted to take something which is impure and use it as truma, as a tithe on something else which is impure? Vatani, we have a bright says, not that way. So the Tanakam holds that you can take off truma, you can take off the tithe for the Kohen from one thing which is impure on another thing which is impure, and from one thing which is pure on something else which is pure. And you can also take it off from something which is pure for something which is impure. But not from something which is impure on something which is pure. Rabbi Nechemia says, The only place that we find that you're allowed to take off from one thing which is impure on another thing which is impure is only in regards to something which is demai, which you're not sure if it was taken off already. So Rashi explains, since it's something that you're not sure about, but most people, most regular people who aren't so clear on the halachos, they do take off. So you can assume that it was taken off, and therefore there's room to be lenient in such a case. In any event, we see that according to Rabbi Nechemia, you can't use something which is tameh, which is impure. You can't use that to take off truma, to take off this tithe, something which is also impure. So the Gemara answers, Just like in that case that we said, that Rabbi Nechemia agrees that if we're talking about a case which you're not sure if it was taken off or not, and it's impure, so then we have room to be lenient. So to over here, we we can say that it's a coin of Nehemiah, and it's like talking about a case where it's demai, where it's not sh- you're not sure if it was taken off my sir, and that's why there's room to be lenient over here, even according to Rabbi Nehemiah, and take off from something which is impure on something else which is impure. We said previously, In regards to oil, we said, since it's dripping out slowly, so the coin is going to lose out if you make this to be truma for him, you make this into his tithe, and therefore you shouldn't do that. What's the difference in regards to Shem, in regards to oil? So it's permitted for him to use it for lighting, right? So if it's dripping out, he's going to lose out, right? So we say, don't do that. In regards to wine, also it's dripping out. He's also going to lose out because he could sprinkle it. So why do we say over there that it's okay to give him something which he's going to lose out on? And if you want to say, sprinkling is not such an important thing, and therefore the fact that he can use it for sprinkling and he's going to lose a little bit out, it's not such a big deal. When it comes to drinking wine, so a lug you should pay a seller for. But if, you're, if you want to know, you want to buy the right type of wine, it's worth paying double that. So you see that it's important to get a good quality wine for sprinkling around the house. This is an important thing to do. So don't tell me that it's not such an important thing, and that's why we're not concerned about his loss. Here too, we should be concerned about the loss.
So the Gemara answers, so talking about my askinan, what are we talking about in this case, bichadosh? We're talking about new wine. And therefore, since it's new wine, it doesn't have the greatest smell yet. So therefore, when, if he's losing a little bit of it, it's not the greatest loss because the type of zeal of the type of sprinkling that you do around your house with this wine is not going to make your house smell as nice as you would like. So Gemara says, hold on a second. He could still take it and let it become old. And thereby, it would have a nice smell. So it still should be useful to the Kohen. And by giving him this one, this barrel, so he's ending up with less. So you are causing him a loss. So says, We're afraid if we allow the Kohen to let it sit around, since it's impure, it's forbidden for him to drink, he might end up drinking it since it's sitting around. So therefore, we would require him to use it right away. And since it's chadish, since it's new, so it's not going to be such a nice smell. So Gemara says, hold on a second. In regards to a case of the oil, what did we say was the only reason why you can't give it? Because you're giving a broken barrel, you're going to lose it. But otherwise, you would be able to give oil, even though it's impure, and he can't eat it. Why? Because since he can use it for lighting, that's permitted. So the problem is, though, if he's going to have it around in order to use for lighting, he also might come to end up eating it and using it for food. So the Gemara answers, the monarchically most, he places the oil inside of a utensil container that's going to make the oil disgusting so he won't want to eat it. To use it for lighting, it will still work. The Gemara says, hold on a second, you could also allow it to become old in regards to the wine in a container that's disgusting such that he won't want to drink it. And this will become old and will smell nicer. Well, the Gemara says, hold on a second, if he wants to make it that it should still, it should get older and still smell nice, it's not going to get better if it's placed in a container that's disgusting and you wouldn't want to drink from it. This whole idea that we might need to be concerned if a coin might drink something which is impure that's around, it's actually an argument between Tanoim. If you have a, a barrel of wine, which is truma shenitmes, that became impure, so Beishamim says, pour out the whole thing, we have to be concerned that the coin might end up drinking it if it's left around. Beishil says, no, if you can use it for sprinkling around the house. He says, I'm going to tell you who's right of Beishamim Beishil. He says like this, but If you're in the house, you can use it for sprinkling. But if you're outside in the field, and you're bringing it home, so then we have to be concerned that you might end up drinking it, so therefore you should pour it out right away. It could die, there are those who say, If we're talking about something that's old wine, so then you can use it for sprinkling. But if it's something that's new wine, which doesn't smell nice in the house, you shouldn't use it for sprinkling, and therefore you should pour it out. And everyone says, This is that you said you're going to decide between Beshami and Beshilo. You weren't giving us a decision. You were actually saying a completely different opinion. You hold that in one place it's going to be one way, and the other place is going to be another way. But all you're giving us is your own opinion, which is totally separate from what Beshami and Beshilo are saying.